Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness. In the ring. Steamboat's got him up. A slam. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Good evening. I am Jeff Meller along with Chris Black as we fill in for Jonathan Hood this evening here on ESPN 1000 inside the First Midwest Bank studio. It is our pleasure to do, Chris, what I believe is probably the most important day in the company's year. And that is ESPY's day when the company and we do what we can to encourage everybody out there listening to give what they can and donate to the V Foundation to help fight cancer and know that every single dollar you give goes towards cancer research. Absolutely, Jeff. You know, we get the uh, privilege to be on this platform to talk sports, and we'll talk some sports tonight and uh, hang out with you until 10 o'clock, but it is also a privilege to be here on days like today to help the V Foundation raise money for cancer research. 100% of the donations go to research and programs for cancer research. So if you have a chance today, go to V.org. That's for the V Foundation. Any dollar that you donate helps. Right, like uh, throughout the day, they had all these different uh, events and, and things that you could bid on throughout the day. But it doesn't matter one dollar, ten dollars, fifty, one hundred, whatever you can afford, donate to the V Foundation. Yeah, all the great experiences, the uh, time for those has expired, and the company, I'm sure, will release the great amount of money that they have have encouraged people to donate and what they've raised towards cancer research but like as you said we're past that point now it's uh, our honor to ask you the listener to say look it doesn't have to be a lot but you know as you said as little as a dollar you go to Mm v.org there's a big orange donate button in the right hand corner and it walks you right through it and you know what you can donate a dollar you can donate five ten twenty whatever you feel like giving and know that 100% of every cash donation you give will go directly towards fighting cancer and towards cancer research. So that is the great thing working for a company like ESPN is to know. Because I know, look, there's some people out there who are always skeptical who say, you know what, mm-hmm. how do I know yeah. that the money sure. I give? You know, there's some charities out there that aren't always on the up and up. But you can go to V.org. You can learn more about the foundation, the foundation that was started in 1993 when Jim Valvano gave his incredibly inspirational speech, a speech that we will let you hear if you have never heard it, or perhaps if you have, you no doubt would love another opportunity to go ahead and listen to. It's something that 
when it's on, you cannot turn it off. It, it grips you and it inspires you. And we will be playing the Jimmy V speech from the 1993 ESPYs later on in the show. But like Chris said, it's an honor to be here on this day because it is probably the most meaningful thing we do as a company. And yeah, it's just a privilege to be here to ask you, a listener, hey, whatever you can give because cancer touches everybody. Yeah. One in two men will be affected, one in three women. And it is with great institutions like the V Foundation that we can hopefully eradicate this terrible disease. Yeah, uh, over $100 million raised to uh, date since uh, 1993. And again, 100% of the donations go to cancer research. You can go to v.org to donate tonight. Um, You know, we have a small family on the programming side here at ESPN 1000. But like just some of the names, Jeff and Caitlin Dickerson, Fred and Pat Hubner, Eddie Olchek, my father-in-law passed away April 25th. So there are a lot of people that we know, even though it may not directly affect you, uh, it will come across your your landscape at some point, you know? Uh, so donate to the v, v Foundation. Yeah, do what you can because, again, every dollar counts. It doesn't matter if it is just a dollar, if it's five, whatever. You put all that money together and, look, ESPN has a lot of reach. And so if you're just a listener sitting in your car right now thinking to, thinking to yourself, you know what, what does $1 do? What does $5 do? It's no big deal. I don't have to. You know what, if in some way you feel inspired Please do so because, again, every dollar will help. You put your dollar next to someone else's and all of a sudden you have yourself a cascading effect. And a lot of money goes towards cancer research, which, again, hopefully will eventually one day end this terrible disease. And in the meantime, help plenty of people who are suffering through this terrible disease. You want to talk about inspiration. Uh, If you got a chance to listen from noon to two today. Jeff Dickerson and Fred Hubner on the air. They were incredible mm-hmm. talking about this, raising money, and, and just getting the word out there from their personal experiences. So if you get a chance tonight, uh, if you want to listen to us, maybe go back to the podcast at some point. JD and Fred, they did a great job today as well. So well said. I wanted to acknowledge that before we uh, moved on. So, yes. Yeah, so uh, for now, again, V.org, please go ahead, donate, do what you can, because the company appreciates, appreciates it. But more so than that, I'm sure every person affected by cancer appreciates every penny, because, again, we're not going to end this without all the research that goes into it. And uh, the V Foundation is doing it better than anyone out there. So please go ahead and donate. And you know that technology uh, gets better each day, right? And the money that is supported for causes like this allow the technology to be developed. And it allows people to live longer. And that's what the whole goal behind all of this is. And, you know, we're not going to spend all night on this. Uh, if you've listened to the station, if you're a big-time ESPN 1000 listener, We appreciate you, number one. Number two, uh, we understand you've probably heard a lot of this today, but maybe there's some people that are just checking in tonight. They're unfamiliar with what the station's been doing all day long, and this is what we do. Uh, Each year when the ESPYs take place, the ESPYs are on uh, television tonight in Los Angeles. Uh, We here at the radio station on ESPN Radio nationally use today and the platform as an opportunity to allow uh, you to support uh, others, and for us to support you and kind of get through this all together. So once again, uh, donate to the V Foundation, V.org, donate. You can do it at any time. You can do any amount. You can also set it to be an automatic donate uh, once a month. If you just want to donate $1 a month, you can have that dedicated to somebody you know. 
Some may, someone you may have never met, but just inspire you as well. So uh, remember that, v.org. He's Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller filling in for Jonathan Hood this evening here on Under the Hood. This is ESPN 1000. Again, we'll let you hear Jim Valvano in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll also hear from Stuart Scott later this hour. But until we get to that, let's talk a little bit about some of the news of the day. And it starts always at this time of year with the Cubs because they are in a bit of a free fall as they approach the All-Star break. And uh, there's been some baseball bigwigs weighing in. And just where they're at. Yeah, and Jeff, when you take a look at where we're at the All-Star break, I think most Cup fans hang into the season off of what Theo Epstein kind of told all of us. You know, the whole message all off-season was we can't really uh, sit around at the start of the season. We can't uh, lollygag. We can't show up and just allow our talent to be better than everyone else. We have to put the, the pedal to the floor from the start. We can't treat May like it's May. We have to treat it like it's October, like the games matter. And since we understood the context of what the Cubs are heading into this season with, that's why when you see them sitting in first place at the All-Star break, but maybe not having the uh, season that we all thought they would have, you start to hear the whispers, the rumbles, especially at the All-Star break when nothing is going on and you get all these people together for, for one event. 47-43 and 43 is the Cubs' record, a half game above the Milwaukee Brewers. Obviously, the Brewers won the NL Central last season in the 163rd game playoff. And Cubs fans will remember that resulted in a loss to the Rockies in the play-in game. And so that's exactly what they're trying to avoid in this situation. The only reason they sit in first place is because the NL Central as a whole has been a bit woeful. You have the Brewers with 47 wins. You've got the Cardinals at 500. You've got the Pirates one game under. And the Reds, who actually have played better than their record shows, are 41 and 46. So it's almost by the fact that nobody else is stepping up. The Cubs find themselves sitting in first place. But as we said, they, they, were off, they had a good April for the most part. And that, I think they've coasted a bit. And over the last 50 games, they're 22 and 28. And so that leaves a lot to be desired. And Buster Olney was asked yesterday evening on these airwaves by Mark Kestisher exactly what the Cubs might do. Buster, is Theo Epstein going to make a move here as we get close to the straight deadline? I think he's going to make a big move. In the last week, he's made a lot of comments about how the team is not playing well and we're going to make changes. Folks in other front offices are trying to read that. Does that mean they're going to trade someone like a Kyle Schwarber? Will they be interested in making a move for their pitching staff? And watch the status of Joe Madden. Look, he's four and a half years into a five-year contract. you got to believe that in the Cubs front office, they know whether or not they're going to give him an extension. And if you're not, and if you're looking for change, maybe Joe Madden could be that change. Interesting. That is interesting because... We've been talking a lot about Joe Madden's job security, or perhaps lack thereof, all season long. Since the October press conference that you referenced, Chris, earlier, yeah, we've been talking about Joe Madden being put on blast by the front office and the fact that they wanted to see more urgency preached by the head man in the clubhouse. And look, at they're, they're not happy with where they're at, and... They know that he is only under contract through the end of the season. Now, Theo Epstein has never fired a manager in season while he's been the general manager of a baseball team. So, would this be the situation when he's got a 
a World Series proven winning manager at the helm. And yet in the final year of his deal, is this going to be the first time that Theo Epstein chooses to do so if the Cubs continue to scuffle and start out slow coming out of the all-star break see jeff and the thing that bothers me about this whole conversation is i don't think it's all on the manager to why this team has performed the way they have you know you you look at it you want to say what the mental mistakes blame the manager okay lack of hitting especially six through through nine in the lineup blame the manager uh the rotation that was really good the start of the season that has gotten injured and not able to get through uh five innings per from each starter is that blaming the manager oh and by the way notably predictable that when you have an older rotation as you know some projection systems <coughs> Dakota, um, oh, sometimes I'm, did you have something in your throat Jeff? <laughs> yeah Dakota, no yeah I, do, um, I, I remember jesse rogers taking on the machines and, mm-hmm. and going after the computer simulations in in spring training naysaying pakoda the <laughs> reason pakoda was pointing at the Cubs season possibly not being as good as everyone thought it would be was because of the older pitching staff that they have assembled. Older pitching staffs that are more inclined to break down, get injured, and perform less to their previous capabilities. But it's Jesse but that's going to take on the Terminator and all the machines. He's going to take on Skynet. I Jesse in- Rogers. I interrupted Chris. I hope your points. You were saying no. I mean, how when you're all take- Joe Madden's fault. Well, I I don't believe so. I yeah. think uh, the talent that's been assembled may not be as good as we thought it was i think it was good enough in 2016 uh but what we've seen over the course of the last three seasons now is that maybe the talent that's here isn't as good and maybe the cubs overvalued some of their players and that's the problem with this ball club i don't think it's joe madden i think joe madden's still a really good manager and if i had a team and he was on the open market he'd be the manager i'd go after so I don't think the pitching rotation breaking down, the lack of hitting from the offense, the consistent hitting, because they do score a lot of runs, they hit a lot of home runs as well. I don't think that's on Joe Madden. Mental mistakes. Is that on a manager to remind the millennial player to continue to focus, or is it on the millennial player who got a little too much when he was early in his career, winning so early as a young player, maybe allowing him to think that it's easy? to go through a major league season and easy to get back to a championship. I don't know. I don't think I feel like it's not Joe Madden's fault. And I feel like he's just going to be the fall guy when things don't go right for this team. I look, I am in complete agreement with you. I think part of the reality though, is that that we're in a situation where it's easier to go ahead and gas the manager and try and inspire the troops by giving them a new voice inside the clubhouse than it is to go ahead and make dramatic swooping changes across your roster in season. Now, Carl Ravitch was on with Waddle and Sylvie a couple days ago, and they asked Carl Ravitch, who, you know, everybody knows he is the host of baseball tonight. He calls lots of baseball games for our network, and he is very familiar with how baseball works. This was his response to the idea of Joe Madden being on the hot seat. I've never been in a camp where the the manager, barring some unforeseen uh, either attitude change, uh, something about him and the way he operates changes dramatically from one year to the next, that dude is the most consistent guy that I've ever seen. And if you can be manager of the year one year and fired the next, to me that's about the players and the front office getting bored. That really is what it is. I don't see any difference in Joe Madden today than I did when he was winning the World Series. I don't see any difference in Terry Francona with the Phillies as I do with the Indians. I never saw a big difference between Joe Torre 
with the Cardinals and Joe Torre with the Yankees. Dusty Baker's been all over the place. He's always been a good manager. Um, uh, that, that stuff to me is about the front office and the players. It's not about the manager. And, and that also, by the way, is suggesting that the manager and his role is not nearly as significant as, as some people make it out to be. To me, the manager's got to get into the kitchen and just make sure the ingredients all taste good when, when we're putting the plate on the table for people to eat. Uh, but the ingredients got to be good enough that they that it tastes good when the when they are mixed properly. And I'm not so sure that the ingredients are currently you know there to make a good meal. It's not it's not it's not Joe Madden it's not Joe Madden's fault. So echoing a lot of what you just said, Chris, is the rea- the reality is if the Cubs do come out and get off to a slow start and look. It's not going to be. I don't think it's a three-game sweep out of you know that where they get swept out of the break. That's going to end Joe Madden's tenure here. But if it's really bad out of the gate of this of this All Star break here, and you find yourself you know losing eight of nine, and all of a sudden the Brewers come out playing better than they have of late, and they're maybe you know turn a half game deficit into a four or five game lead pretty quickly. That it, it would have to be pretty bad, pretty quickly. I think before we see Theo and Jed fire Joe Madden in season. Yeah, Carl Ravage was right uh, because I think the one thing to look at with this team and in baseball in general, how many times do we hear the debate on how important is a manager? And there are plenty of people who are on the side of. They're not that important whatsoever. They create the culture, but they don't really have a lot to do with a lot that takes place with wins and losses throughout a season. And they they certainly don't make the difference between a team making the playoffs and not making the playoffs type of thing. Um, You know, Jeff, and like the, the thing I would look at is, okay, the Cubs coming out of the break. I want you to tell me the teams that they face here coming out of the break. You tell me if they're a pushover or if they're a team that's, Somewhat decent, okay? okay yeah. Uh, first series against the Pirates. Pirates are not a pushover. Not a pushover. Uh, the Reds follow the Pirates. We talked about it. I mentioned it earlier. Even though their record is five games under five hundred, they have pitched really well. So when you, whenever you, you go up against good pitching, you're in for it. You never know. Oh, no, by the way, the Reds have kind of owned the Cubs this year. Yes, if you haven't have. noticed, as Tom Brenneman dances all over all the Cubs fans out there. Last year, too. Uh, after the Reds, they face a uh, three-game set against the Padres. I mean, we've as a White Sox fan, I've lamented all season yep. long the San Diego yep. Padres with the left side of the infield, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. Yes, they're not a pushover either. July 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, they go to San Francisco. The Giants are terrible. I don't that, need to ask you that. That's the closest thing yes. to a pushover you'll probably see so in the get, National League these days. You get three series and then the Giants, and then you get the Brewer, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Brewers, the A's, and the Reds. So this is interesting because that's a schedule. They, look, yeah, look, it's it's not look, they're not playing any juggernaut early in the in the start of the second half here with the Pirates and the Reds, but like you said, they're They're all decent teams. They're, they're going to look, they're going to have to play better than they have of late if they're going to beat these teams. Yeah. And the reality is that if things go poorly through those first 3 series and you go to San Francisco and for whatever reason the Giants take 2 or 3 from you, you could be looking at a situation where, okay, we may need to make a move to send a message if the team starts out poorly. Okay, so let, really let's poorly. fast forward. Uh, say things don't go well and that happens. Do you think Joe Madden being fired 
is actually going to change the outcome of how this team performs going forward? It would be minimal. No. You know what? I do think it would certainly jar plenty of the players in the clubhouse. They would be like, are you kidding me? We've heard the media speculate. We've heard the Buster Olneys talk about how Theo Epstein wants to make a big move because he's not satisfied. But I think it would certainly shock the system of a lot of Cubs players. Now, here's the thing, though. Are those Cubs players, A, capable of playing better, and B, if they are, why haven't they been? It, it, then it, if, if See, I, to answer that question, I would say, based on the data that we've seen, that the reason these players have not played better is because they peaked in, in 2016, and that's what they were then because that was their peak. And they're playing exactly how they are now because this is what we have with this group. We've now seen it from 17 to 18, and especially the second half of 18, into 19 now in the first half. This is what this team was. Somehow, some way, everything clicked, and it was perfect in 2016. And everyone peaked. I mean, Chris Bryant was in the sevens in war, right? Mm-hmm. He hasn't gotten close to that in the last couple of years. So, like, he, as a player, was... MVP. He was an MVP. Right. He was MVP, but he was like the type of guy that we were saying, like, because in year two of getting an MVP, like, this is going to be one of the all-time great slugging players, third baseman sluggers in history. And kind of now, as a star, he's kind of a run-of-the-mill star. A a run-of-the-mill star. star. Right. He's not... You're right. You're like... People thought he was Rookie trending. of the year MVP turns into, oh, wow, he's going to be incredible. Perennial all-star, but. Right. And, and the reason I give you the but is because when you win an MVP in your second season, people start to dream and envision the idea that mm-hmm. you might be the next on par with someone like Mike Trout. Right. And, he, right. and he has not been that, but he's still been a very good perennial all-star for you. Yeah, I completely agree. He He's good. But, like, that's where you go back to the peaking in Mm -hmm. 2016, where even Chris Bryant, who is good, isn't hitting the heights that he hit when he was an MVP, which, when you look at the entire group, the collective group, you have guys across the diamond that are not hitting the peaks that they hit in 2016. So, you know, it's really good Cubs conversation, and and we will continue this with Robert Flores coming up. We certainly will. Lot to unpack here. Robert Flores host of MLB Central on Major League Baseball Network will join us next. He'll give us a national perspective. As somebody who watches the entire league, we'll have we'll get a chance to ask him what his thoughts are in regards to this Cubs team and if they are underachieving or is this just who they are in comparison to the rest of the league. We'll find out next. Jeff Meller, Chris Black here on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Yo, it's time for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Swing and a rocket right field. Way back there and gone. An absolute bullet off the bat of Joey Gallo. Dave Roberts matches up and Joey Gallo says left on left, not going to bother me. AL adds another and it is now 4-1 to one, and that was a screamer. Here's a 2-2. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. And that is the ball game. And the American League has won it again. 4-3 the final score. And the American League has now won seven in a row. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
The Midsummer Classic last night here on ESPN 1000. Shane Bieber, who uh, some baseball fans were introduced to last night, Chris, as he took home the MVP by striking out the side for the hometown Cleveland fans out there. Yeah, the vote a little biased, I thought. I mean, really? That's okay. He was the MVP of the game. Who I guess it have, doesn't really who matter. Who would you have given it to? I, I guess it doesn't matter. It does. That sounds, that's fine. Maybe uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. for his performance in the I mean, home run derby. Yeah, might as well. I mean, that was fantastic on Monday night. Uh, he's Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller here on Under the Hood, sitting in for Jonathan Hood this evening. It's uh, our opportunity here to chat with Robert Flores, a man who knows a thing or two about baseball, as he hosts MLB Central on MLB Network. Robert, good evening. Curious, uh, has the Home Run Derby usurped the All-Star Game in terms of importance for the Major League Baseball fan? Hmm, that is a good question. Uh, it's interesting, the word importance. Um, yeah, you know, back when they had the, hey, it's for home field advantage, that whole thing. Um, yeah, maybe it has. Uh, although last night's game was, I thought, thoroughly entertaining. I mean, it was a crisp... Uh, three hours and four minutes, five minutes, something like that. It it didn't feel like it. It you know you had you had homers, you had great defensive plays, uh, power pitching, uh, all the elements that make up today's game. But yeah, what happened on Monday with uh, Vlad Jr. and Jock Peterson? I mean, that was really good theater. And uh, yeah, I, I would kind of I, I don't know where you take it from here, but I certainly like it. Major League Baseball will pass the home run record as a collective this season, and each month that passes, there's a new record broken. Uh, what do you make of mm-hmm. all the home runs that are just flying out of ballparks? Um, I think guys are throwing a lot harder than ever before, and I think the hitters are really, really, really good. Uh, as far as other factors, I don't know enough to make any sort of informed judgment. Uh, Justin Verlander's comments, when you uh, hear what he had to say about the about what the ball feels like, what it's what how it's reacting. Um, y- you know, it, it makes you want to. Uh, you certainly listen, and you make it, it makes you want to explore and and figure out what exactly is going on. I don't think it's necessarily one thing. Like I said, I, I think it's a combination of of things. And and could it be something with the baseball, or, or is the baseball being made? Uh, being made too well, uh, you, you know. Who knows? Um, but I think it's it's a combination of uh, of factors. Robert Flores, host of MLB Central on MLB Network, joining us here on ESPN One Thousand. Robert's at the uh, All Star break here. Lots of fans kind of like to reassess where their team's at, take stock when they have a, a few days off between you know the doldrums of the regular season. You're going through it day in and day out. This actually gives you a chance to take a breath and take stock of what's going on and Cubs fans right now are not very happy and yeah. we've got we've got lots of lots of national writers telling us that Theo Epstein could be making a big move even suggesting the idea that Joe Madden could be on a hot seat what are your thoughts on the idea that Theo Epstein could actually if things go poorly out the gate here push that button and fire Joe Madden to kind of give his team a jolt Boy, you know they're they're in first place right now, and uh, that would certainly be uh, that kind of move would definitely be a provocative one. Um, but there, there's a couple things when I, when I look at the Cubs, I, I remember watching them. I think they were playing uh, on ESPN. They were playing the Pirates, and in the first inning, 
they were just throwing the ball all over the place. And it, they were throwing the different, you know, the uh, wrong bases, allowing runners to take an extra base. The defense was, was, uh, was sloppy and or nonchalant, which is, which is weird. And, and that seems to be um, some symptoms that they have displayed throughout the first half of the season. And I know Chris Bryant has said so. He said, that, hey, we've been underwhelming. And, and it's weird that it's been those kind of qualities because these guys are ultra-talented. There is so much talent on this team. Um, maybe that, that the fact that the, the calendar is going to be turning into August and then September, maybe those kind of things uh, will rectify the situation. But I, I would be stunned if, if Theo... Uh, made a move uh, like that and removing Joe Madden at, at now, unless think maybe they, if they open up out of the gate and a, a 10 game losing streak or something like that, then sure. But I, I would be surprised if that happened. You know, with all this conversation about the Cubs struggles with the division, and I know that they're in first place, but a lot of that has to do with looking at the Dodgers and how good they've been mm-hmm. replenishing with young talent. And even if yeah. you look at Atlanta having such a good season this year. So if you take the Cubs, how do you see them stacking up in the rest of the NL? Uh, not as good as the Dodgers. No one is good as the Dodgers, and I'm not including the National League. I'm also including the American League. The Dodgers are far and away the best team in baseball right now, and I think, and that includes the Yankees. Um, the Dodgers have. I've said this for the past three years. Somehow, the Dodgers have like like a 50 man roster on a 25 man roster. I mean, they just have so much depth. Uh, in the pitching staff, in their on their bench, and Cody Bellinger is putting to. I mean, this has been a tour de force for him, and I, I don't think it's close right now. Um, the, the Dodgers and everyone else, the gap is that wide. Now, does that mean that they're going to go on to win the World Series? I mean, no. There's still a, a lot of baseball to be played, and the uh, the postseason is a whole different animal. But right now. The Dodgers is better than everyone else, and it, the Cubs are going to have to play a lot better. The whole division, the whole NL Central is going to have to play better. But maybe the division is just, it is what it is right now, and there's just a lot of parity. A whole bunch of good teams kind of log jam there in that, in that NL Central. Robert, what have you been able to learn about how the Dodgers are doing it? Maybe I think that's like Chris pointed out like that's another reason why the Cubs are so under the microscope is because they've been linked so closely to the Dodgers over these last mm-hmm. four years. Because look, they've been going head to head with them in the NLCS. They yeah. when they won a World Series, you know, beating them in the NLCS, and then they watched the Dodgers go on and play in the World Series twice themselves. So everybody's looking at the Dodgers and they're saying, okay, we all know who Cody Bellinger is. He's awesome. But last year, Max Muncy comes out of nowhere. Justin Turner completely right. reinvents his swing. Uh, Jack, yeah. Jack Peterson's productive, but he's not by any means like great. Like What he did on Monday in the, in the Home Run Derby was probably one of the most impressive things you'll ever see him do because he's, he's got some inconsistencies <laughs> as a player on a whole. Yeah. But they seem to have, just, just like you said, so much depth. And and where do they do it? Because guys like Muncie and Turner, they're not like high, you know, highly touted prospects. They the Dodgers are yeah. completely creating these players in the lab. How? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about Muncie and Turner specifically. Those guys were basically uh, castoffs from their previous rec- organizations. I mean, Muncie wasn't this player when he was in Oakland, and Justin Turner wasn't this player when he was with the Mets. But somehow. They find a way to unlock things, and um, look in, in Jock Peterson's case, he has he's he's gotten better. 
a couple of years ago, there were holes in his swing. And the same thing with Cody Bellinger. The Astros abused Cody Bellinger and exploited his weakness in the 2017 World Series. Those weaknesses aren't there. And that's a credit to, the first of all, the players themselves, but also to the organization as a whole. There is so much that goes on to making these players uh, better and develop from a scouting perspective to a coaching perspective to an analytical perspective. And the Dodgers just find a way to, to mesh them all, and it's pr- producing fantastic results. Robert, what's the one thing you have your eyes on as we head into the second half of the season, the one thing that you're really focused on as we uh, head into that second half of the baseball season? Uh, in the American League, which which team is going to get an impact starter first? Is it going to be the Astros or the Yankees? Um, that that's first and, and foremost because both of them need uh, need starting pitching. Um, both, I think the Astros could also use an, another arm out of the bullpen. What impact arm is going to make the difference in the American League and in the National League? It's uh, as far as going back to the Central. Who's going to get hot? Which team is going to get hot towards the end of the season to open up some distance between themselves and the rest of the division or? Is it going to be like this the entire season where maybe not one team breaks away, but they just consistently beat each other up and it's whoever comes up with that crucial win late in the season? That voice is Robert Flores of MLB Central on MLB Network. Check him out there for more great insight. Robert, thanks so much for your time this evening. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Robert. Robert Flores, again, uh, our guest there, host of MLB Central on MLB Network. All right, Chris, as we've been talking about all day on the station, it is ESPYs Day, and that means it is our opportunity to give to you to go ahead and donate to the V Foundation, V.org. And we're going to let you hear from Stuart Scott in his 2014 ESPYs speech when he was awarded the Jimmy V Award for perseverance and you can hear it next right here on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jeff Miller, Chris Black sitting in for Jonathan Hood this evening. It is SB's night which means it is your opportunity to go ahead and donate to the V Foundation. Just go to v.org. Donate whatever you can, $1, $5, $10. Every little bit helps to fight cancer and goes towards cancer research. Back in 2014, Stuart Scott was awarded the Jimmy V Award for Perseverance. He delivers a very eloquent message, and I would encourage you to listen because uh, there's some beautifulness in this. Take a listen to Stuart Scott in 2014 at the ESPYs. You know, tomorrow all my boys are going to be like, oh man, I saw you at the ESPYs with Peyton Manning, Money Mayweather, and KD. I'm going to be like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Jack Bauer saved the world and he introduced me. 24 is my favorite TV show of all time, so Kiefer Sutherland, thank you very much. I am very honored. Every day I am reminded that our life's journey is really about the people who touch us. When I first heard that I was going to be honored with this reward, the very first thing that I did was I was speechless, briefly. I've presented this award before. I mean, I've watched in awe as 
Kay Yao and Eric Legrand and all these other great people grace this stage. And although intellectually, I get it, I'm a public figure, I have a public job, I'm battling cancer, hopefully I'm inspiring. At my gut level, I really didn't think that I belonged with those great people. But I listened to what Jim Balvano said 21 years ago. The most poignant seven words ever uttered in any speech anywhere. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Those great people didn't. Coach Valvano didn't. So to be honored with this, I now have a responsibility to also not ever give up. I'm not special. I just listened to what the man said. I listened to all that he said, everything that he asked of us. And that's to build the V Foundation. And let me tell you, man, it works. I'm talking tangible benefits. You saw me in that clinical trial. Now, here's the thing about that. Coach Valvano's words 21 years ago, helping me and thousands of people like me right now, direct benefits. That's why all of this, why we're here tonight, that's why it's so important. I also realized something else recently. You heard me kind of allude to it in the piece. I said, I'm not losing. I'm still here. I'm fighting. I'm not losing. But I got to amend that. When you die, that does not mean that you lose to cancer. You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and in the manner in which you live. So live, live, fight like hell. And when you get too tired to fight, then lay down and rest and let somebody else fight for you. That's also very, very important. I can't do this don't give up thing all by myself. I got thousands of people on Twitter and on the streets who encourage me. I got these amazingly wonderful people at ESPN. I got corporate executives, my bosses, this is true, who will text message me. And they'll say, hey, uh, heard you had chemotherapy today. You want me to stop by on the way home from work and pick you up something to eat and bring it to you? Seriously? Who does that? <laughs> Whose boss does that? My bosses do that. But even with all that, the fight is still much more difficult than I even realized. What you didn't see in the piece is what's gone on probably the last 10 days. I just got out of the hospital this past Friday. Seven days stay. Man, I crashed. I had liver complications. I had kidney failure. I had four surgeries in a span of seven days. I had tubes and wires running in and out of every part of my body. And guys, when I say every part of my body, every part of my body. As of Sunday, I didn't even know if I'd make it here. I couldn't fight. But doctors and nurses could. The people that I love, my friends and family, they could fight. My girlfriend, who slept in a very uncomfortable hospital cot by my side every night, she could fight. The people that I love did last week what they always do. They visited, they talked to me, they listened to me, they sat silent sometimes. They loved me. And that's another one of the components of the V Foundation.
This whole fight, this journey thing is not a solo venture. This is something that requires support. I called my big sister Susan a few days ago. Why? I needed to cry. It was that simple. And I know that I can call her. I can call my other sister Cynthia, my brother Stephen, my mom and dad, and I can just cry. And those things are very important. I have one more necessity. Yeah, it's really two. Two very vibrant, intelligent, beautiful young ladies. The best thing I've ever done, the best thing I will ever do, is be a dad to Taylor and Sydney. It's true. can't ever give up because I can't leave my daughters. Yes, sometimes I embarrass them. Sometimes they think I'm a tyrant. That's a direct quote. There is an adjective that describes tyrant too, but I'm not going to go there. But Taylor and Sydney, I love you guys more than I will ever be able to express. You two are my heartbeat. I am standing on this stage here tonight because of you. My oldest daughter, Taylor, I wanted her to be here, but college sophomore, summer school, second semester, starting this week. Baby girl, I love you, but you go do you. You go do that. My littlest angel is here. My 14-year-old. Sydney, come up here and give Dad a hug because I need one. I want to say thank you, ESPN. Thank you, ESPYs. Thank all of you. Have a great rest of your night and have a great rest of your life. That was Stuart Scott in July 2014. He died in January of 2015, but he didn't lose his battle with cancer. He lived. He fought like hell. We're not going to lose the battle to cancer with your help. Please donate V.org. Every little bit helps. One dollar, five dollars, whatever you can give. V.org. Today's the day. We really appreciate it. Yeah, 100% of the donations go to Cancer Research and Programs, V.org. This hour is brought to you by Enzo Custom. Experience true custom and get the suit you really want. Go to EnzoCustom.com, schedule an appointment, and get $50 off by telling them Waddle sent you. That's what uh, Enzo Custom. This hour is brought to you by. He's Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller. We're in for Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood, ESPN 1000.